Hello everyone and welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast Season Number 4. Thank you all very much for downloading our show today wherever you are right now in this crazy world. I am your host, Robbie Cox. Now before we get into today's very special guest, I just wanted to let all our loyal listeners out there know that we have started our own line of merchandise for the podcast, now on sale right now. The original tees are out there. It's the OTB Crew line. Uh, we have many, many other clothing items coming your way, including hoodies, singlets, even socks. But for right now, we have the OTB Crew original tee available for purchase on our website. So please make sure you click on the link tree in our bio. Follow that link to our website to purchase yours today as well as being an awesome t-shirt which it definitely is it's equally as important because it's another way to support the podcast that you guys are loving each and every week we deliver all over the world so yes even our listeners in the usa or the uk can get their hands on some merch so what are you waiting for Jump on our Insta page right now, follow the link tree to our website and purchase an OTB Crew original tea today to become a part of the crew. But that's it. It's enough selling for one show. It's time to crack on with the show. Take your mind. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Joining me today on the show is a man who made his Olympic debut for Australia in Tokyo and became part of the most successful Olympic swim team in Aussie history. Coming home with two bronze medals, he is an absolute speed machine. And right now, he is in Naples, Italy, competing in season three of the ISL for his team, the New York Breakers. It's a massive welcome to Off the Block Swimming Podcast, Mr. Matt Temple. Mate, how are you going? How good's that? Thanks for having me on. Oh, man, I told you, we've got to pump the guest tyres up straight away. It's always a good note to start <laughs> yeah, yeah. on. <laughs> and you've just done it. There you go. Um, how you been over there anyway? Obviously, as I said, you know we know where you are. You're competing in the ISL, but it doesn't hurt to be over in Italy at the moment. Obviously, the you know, COVID restrictions are a lot less in terms of what you're able to do. It's a perfect time of the year. You must be enjoying yourself. Yeah, really enjoying myself over here. Um, can't complain when the sun's out and being a part of the New York Breakers, that team environment, um, yeah, I'm just having a ball with everyone else. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. And I think you've had two matches so far, and I've been keeping a close yeah. eye in terms of what's been going on over there. But outside of that, I said we're in Italy. How hard is it? I'm a man, as you can tell, that loves his food, and Italy is the place to yeah. be if you're a foodie. How hard has it been to, to try and stay a little bit strict on your diet, but also know that, uh, you know, you've got pizzas, you've got pastas, you've got gelatos? A bit of everything, yeah. I've had so many pizzas over the past... <laughs> Past month probably, but um, there hasn't been as much pasta going around as I thought there'd be. Okay. Um, yeah, which is a bit of a surprise because you think you'll eat pizza pasta, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, a few gelatos here and there, a few pizzas here and there. Um, yeah, I can't complain. 
No, absolutely not. And you can't beat a good gelato. Like when I was in Italy, you know, it was so good that if I walked past a second gelato place, even though we've already had gelato and I see another flavor, we've got to stop again. You have to stop, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We're we're nearly the same. (laughs) Exactly. Now, mate, just getting to the action, obviously, two matches uh, from you guys, the New York Breakers, perhaps not the results, probably the team's been after. How much have you enjoyed the atmosphere and being over there and being a part of the ISL? And how have you seen your own performances, certainly backing up from such a high of the Olympics and then, you know, coming back into it, training a bit yourself with, with you know, Brendan and Maddie and ne- uh, Leah for a little bit and then coming into yeah. it? Yeah, so I think New York, um, we've struggled a bit with, we've been short on a few swimmers the first couple of matches. So fingers crossed they can get, get down and come across for the next two. So it's been tough for a few of our swimmers having to swim events, which they've never swum before. But um, I think we've coped pretty well the past two weeks and everyone's swam to the best of their ability. So what more can you ask for? But uh, being a part of this team, um, I've got to meet a few people the past couple of weeks and yeah, I'm just having a ball. The atmosphere is amazing. Everyone's getting around each other. So just being a part of this team, um, you feel loved. Yeah, well, that's one thing I was going to mention to you. Obviously, you know, I speak to Brendo a bit as well, and he was saying how much yeah. he's enjoying that sort of vibe over there. How different is it from anything we sort of see here in Australia? Um, well, I suppose I'm just relating this back to the AFL. Like, I suppose in the club rooms, everyone gets around each other. Mm. But um, like on the pool deck, they have the boxes for each team. And like towards the end, when everyone's finished their own races, everyone's in that box screaming at you to swim your best race. So I think that that spurs you on and knowing the teams behind you, it's a good feeling. Yeah. How much excitement do you get out of that? Knowing that next year in 2022, they're looking to put on the Australian swimming league as well. And I don't know enough around that in terms of who they're going to be targeting, what athletes they want to be a part of it and all that sort of stuff. But it makes you a bit excited, doesn't it? Knowing that, you know, we're heading down that same path as well, looking to, to start our own league. Yeah, I think it's very exciting. I don't know much myself um, either, but um, like if you can have a team for each state and then like I have mates in Queensland, in WA, all over joint. So if you're like, if you know them personally and you're racing against them, I think um, it'll make it even more enjoyable. But camaraderie against, against your friend on a different team, um, I think it'd be, it'd be cool. It'd be a good experience. Yeah, something different for sure. I think, you know, anybody um, is is looking forward to it. Everyone's keen to see, you know, how it shapes up. And obviously there'll be a few sort of, you know, kinks to iron out at the beginning. It's not all going to flow perfectly. But I think obviously just going off the back of wanting our own ISL team and the logistics maybe not working. So we just thought, bugger it, let's let's start our own league and and start from there. So uh, it's not a bad idea, that's for sure. Now, a few matches to go off the regular season, mate, of the ISL. What are you looking for, yeah. you know, the team in terms of finishing off nice and strong? Uh, so we've got a couple more swimmers coming over in Alec Clog and Maywin Tomac. So they're the backstrokers coming over. And I think they they can give a boost to the relays and then the backstroke event. So fingers crossed um, the next couple of events we can, so we've had a 11 day break since the last match, I think. So everyone sort of knuckled down, um, trained. We've been still in training at the moment. I think a couple have actually nicked off to the beach at the moment. But um, yeah, so we've had a few, 
um, like a week to train. Um, so I think everyone's hanging out for the next match and hopefully we can improve on our results. I've got two more questions for you on the ISL. One is how have you yeah. seen your own performances? How, how do you feel you've been in the water? Um, so coming off the back of the Olympics, I trained, I had a little break and then trained for most of it. And to swim what I swam in the first match, I was pretty happy with my results. But I think just backing up, I think we had three days in between. So backing up into the second match was um, harder than I thought it would be. I swam a bit over my times in the first match, but I mean, I'm still pretty happy with how I'm going after, after everything that's happened in the last couple of months. Yeah. Did I see you went 50 point in the, in the hundred fly? Yes, yeah, so I went 49-7 in the first match and then a 50.1, I think, in the second match. It's a bit, bit slower, but, um, yeah, hopefully third match we can get back in those 49s. Absolutely. Now, my second question is, how, how is the mullet received in Europe? How is the mullet? So I've had a few people from a few, few different teams actually come <laughs> over. I love your mullet. <laughs> and that's how it goes. Um, I had to get a trim the other day. Um, Brendo's got a bit of a mop going on as well. So I mm. thought, I said, hey, Brendo, let's go get a haircut. But um, he wasn't having it. So I just went by myself. Um, it was a bit of a challenge in there with the no English. But um, this is what I came out with and it's it's all right. It'll do. Did they, well, yeah. Like, is it a one of a kind over there? Do you see many mullets in Europe? I wouldn't I wouldn't think we'd see yeah, that many, really. would you? Not really. Oh, no, I feel- well, personally. So just <laughs> oh. me. It's a big hit over there, obviously. Maybe it could catch on in the ISL. Season four, season four next year, you'll just see the New York Breakers full of full of mullets. I reckon. Or if just everyone, just all the boys get on the mullets. Yeah, I rate it. Go for it. Why not? Um, yeah. now, far out, you know, time goes quick. It seems like only yesterday I was watching you guys on the TV in Tokyo, and it's now been six weeks since that was the case. And I want to get to those games in a moment because obviously – hugely successful um, in terms of you guys with performances, but even from the outside looking in, just, you know, from from the perception of the public. But firstly, I want to talk to you about trials. I, I always like to get to the sort of a little bit more of a backstory. You're on absolute yep. fire in Adelaide, no doubt about it. How much did you enjoy the Olympic trials? Because you looked fast and you looked focused. Yeah, well, I think trials is the best meet I've ever had, so I can't complain. Um, yeah. I just knew I was ready to race. Um, we had a bit of an interruption two weeks prior, having to leave Melbourne so we could actually race at the trials. Yep. And we headed up to the Gold Coast for two weeks. It was a little bit of a shock, but um, the whole squad at Nunawading was real good about it. It was mm. like a little holiday for all of us, but we knew we still had a job to do. And then getting onto trials, um, I just knew I was ready. I was Everyone was hanging out for, um, for a couple of years for the trials. Like everyone, everyone waited from 2019 for the trials in 2020 and then having to wait another year. Yeah. Um, I think it was a struggle for a lot of people, but everyone was just hanging out. And then to come out and race, how I race the trials, yeah, I'm pretty happy with the results. Like PBs in all of my events. So, yeah, I, I was on fire and I loved every minute of it. It's always good when you're racing fast. Uh, that's a bloody lootly. Now, obviously, I said you're on fire, and I was a massive fan of yours that week. I still am, but in that week in particular, yeah. you were just a massive standout for me. And I actually wrote your name down as like keep an eye on this guy, especially coming to the Olympics because you're on fire. Oh, was there oh, a yeah, was you know you're right? Was there a 
a race for you that week that surprised you though? Was there a race for you that week when you touched the wall and you looked back and you went, shit, eh? I, I knew I was in, in fall, yeah. but I didn't know I was going that quick. Yeah, so there's actually a couple of races. So the first, so I started off with the two free. Um, was never, it was just a bit of a warm-up swim. And then I had the two fly the next day. Um, I never thought I'd make, I never thought I'd qualify for the Olympics in the two fly. Mm. So having swum the two fly, knowing I was up against David, Morgan and Bowen Goff, um, two both tough competitors. Yeah. Um, I knew it would be a challenge for me, but to touch the wall first and with a PB and the qualifying time, that was a real shock. And to do that on my pretty much first first event, close enough to first event for the competition, it was a shock to me. But to do that, um, it was a bit of relief knowing I'd done that and I'd swum fast as well. So it mm. gave me confidence going into the next day, which was 100 freestyle. And then the hundred fly later on. Well, that hundred fly that you set the pool on fire in that one um, for sure. Just just going yeah. back to your point there in terms of setting yourself up for a good week. You had a really good race when you first kicked off. Just for the listeners out there, and especially a lot of our listeners, made are the younger swimmers who are competing themselves, and you know, looking at you guys and what you do. Has there been a moment in the past where you had a meet that maybe didn't st- quite start off as, as well as you would have liked? And how did you deal with that? Because that, as a coach, for example, myself, that happens quite a lot. You know, you go to nationals and the first swim quite isn't yeah. quite what you're after. And they're like, bugger me, I've got a whole week to try and keep these swimmers up and change that mentality because things can change overnight, as you know. Have you had a moment like that where it didn't go quite as planned? Um, I mean, I probably have, but it um, doesn't come up in the memory pretty quick. But um, I'd say I'm pretty positive. So when I have a bad race, um, I'm, all, I'm always looking for that positive in the bad race, whether it's the dive or the turn. Say I muck up the dive or the turn, I know that's what I have to fix. So whether it's in the cool down, just concentrating for the next race or taking it back to the, my home program and working on it to perfect it there where I then can perfect it in a race. So I think I'm always looking for something to improve, which then hopefully I can race faster in the next race. It's great advice. And I I think for all the younger listeners out there, that's the great takeaway is that, you know, they're not failures. They're just learning experiences, aren't they? And you can always improve and and get to get better from them. How how good was it making the team with Brendo? I know you're spending a lot of time with him over there, obviously traveling around and with the ISL and again in the same team over there as well, but must've been good making your first Olympic team on his first Olympic team. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. Um, both coming from the same club, same area. Um, really devastated for Bowen Goff. He also just missed out um, on the two-fly, um, making the time, but finishing third. So spewing for him, but to have Brendan alongside me on the team, um, pretty special. Now, mate, you look like you guys got around really well as a group and as a team over there in terms of just that camaraderie. And I, I want to talk about the training camp. Obviously, you know, you had trials, you got together, and then I think you were, where did you go first? You were based somewhere first, and then you went up to Cairns, right? Yeah, so we are in Townsville. We are supposed to be in Townsville for a couple of weeks, but um, I think there might have been 10 or 15 swimmers in Townsville with us. And um, there'd never been a COVID case in the community in Townsville. And I think seven or eight days in, um, COVID case in the community. So we had to make the dash straight out uh, of Townsville up to Cairns. So we packed the cars. I think we had a couple hours of notice. Packed our bags, packed the cars, 
every car was just filled to the brim with bags and equipment. And we just convoyed up to Cairns where we were um, then put into a hotel for a little bit of a quarantining bubble yep. sort of situation. So it was a bit of a shock. You're, you're a couple of weeks out from the Olympics and you're stuck in a hotel ordering Uber Eats mm. um, for meals. But um, yeah, so a couple of weeks, supposed to be a couple of weeks in Townsville and then moved on to Cairns for the rest of the time where we end up meeting the rest of the team. Yeah. So it was, it was good once we were out and with everyone, I guess. Non-swimming related question, what's your go-to on Uber Eats? <laughs> Go to a new race. I mean, there wasn't much option. Um, <laughs> there was a everyone says McDonald's. I tried to stay away from the mm. McDonald's, but um, we found a joint called Faster Pasta. Oh, so that was pretty good to get onto them. But um, like we come back from training hungry, so we always have to order two. But <laughs> it is what it is. Well, well, mate, and you know, as you said, like it's it's not ideal when you're that close to the Olympic Games and you you're having to Uber eats it, and you're obviously still trying to look out for what you're eating and what you put in the in the gut. But you know, there's only so much options, I guess, at that stage you have. So it, there's no yeah. doubt to me, looking ahead at, at the results you guys got in Tokyo as a team as a whole, you were prepared for anything that was going to come your way. As you said, you know, you were had your preparation down in Melbourne, halted because you had to quickly get out of there and go to the Gold Coast. You know, you make the team, you go to um, Townsville, as you said, seven days into it, you've got to get straight out of there again. I mean, if it could go wrong, it was going wrong in terms of COVID playing its funny tricks. So you you guys were well prepared for, you know, whatever came your way. Yeah, well, especially us, myself, Brendan and Mac being from Victoria, like we've copped it a lot the past, past year with our schedules changing, pools closing. Um, but, yeah, I think I think everyone was just keen to eventually get onto Tokyo mm. and everyone was just hanging out just to get there. What was training camp like up in Cairns? Um, did you, you know, I'm not too privy to how many swimmers trained together, whether it was just a small group, but what was it like up there? And give us a bit of an insight into what sort of preparations go into just before you, you head over. So I was lucky enough to have my coach, Wayne Laws, on the team and myself, Brendan, and Seabom Lee were taken by him. Um, they sort of split the whole team in half for all the sessions just so everyone has enough pool space. So there's probably maybe 15, 20 swimmers in a session. Mm-hmm. And um, you sort of it's sort of hard after the trials. You have one month, so you taper down for the trials and then have to come back up in between the Olympics, the trials and the Olympics, and then come down ready to race again. So I think that was challenging, not having done that before, but I think it worked out pretty well. And having Wayne there, knowing my needs, um, he did it pretty well in the end. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it would have been a test of that old theory of, um, you know, the saying that so many coaches say, which is, follow, you know, trust the process, trust the process. Well, this this would have tested that sort of for you guys, wouldn't it? Because there's a, so much stuff that's going on that's different. As you said, you're not probably used to, you know, tapering and being at your fastest and then having to come back up a little bit again just to come back down again. So, you know, you're putting a lot of trust and, and faith in the coach and the process. Yeah, pretty much. And especially like... Um when you're not feeling good in the water, um, you just got to trust it, stick to what the coach says and get on with it. 
he, he changed the programs a couple times, but um, yeah, we just stuck with it. And I mean, the results paid off so pretty well. So absolutely yeah no bloody oath you you guys killed it and and you in particular as well and i I like to give the listeners a bit of an insight as i said i I like to think that a lot of my listeners are made of the average punters like me that just sit at home with a can in the hand watching you guys doing it so i like to give them a bit of an insight into what goes on talk to us about when you got to tokyo what was that village life like you know we'll get to the swimming part in a minute but outside of 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 the competition what was it like what were your protocols like was it as bad as people were saying, you know, that we had the you know, the cardboard beds and all that sort of stuff. Was it, you know, a little bit too um, played up? Did it end up saying go okay? Yeah, well, I suppose what everyone heard um, was pretty bad, but I, I really enjoyed the village, just the atmosphere, um, especially the Aussie Tower. Everyone got around each other, but I think COVID really put a downer on the village. Mm. Everyone was trying to stay away from each other. Like you couldn't really meet people or nothing like that. Um, the dining hall had um, perspex all around. So that was pretty interesting to have your dinner behind a wall in front of someone. But um, all the Aussies got around each other whenever they could. Um, whoever you walked past in the hallway, you had no idea who they are because they had their mask and their hat on. So you don't know who you're talking to, but you just say, hello, how you going? Um, it was really cool. The... Aussie Tower had a couple of TVs outside set up. Yeah. Um, I think it was pretty big on their Instagram. They were um, showing it off. They had a few deck chairs down there. So whoever wasn't competing or had finished competing, um, like the deck chairs were always full watching whatever sport was on the TV. So I remember going down there watching the soccer one night and the, the Aussies actually won that game and everyone was just going bananas. Mm. And it was just so good to be a part of that success and a part of the team watching them win. Yeah, man. So who'd you room with over there? So I was in an apartment um, with four. So it was myself, Matt Wilson, Mitch Larkin, and Elijah Winnington. So oh, nice. Group. Yep. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it'd be too rowdy. No, it wasn't rowdy at all. Um, <laughs> our, our, we actually had our own rooms, so we were pretty lucky. But the apartment next door um, had seven boys in it. So I think that was the rowdy room. Yeah, I can imagine. What was going on in there. <laughs> yeah. What was the pool itself like? You know, looking from on TV, it looked picture perfect. It looked like every little, um, you know, thing had been thought of in terms of, you know, the pool, the, the stands, the blocks, everything. You know, it looks like it was perfect. What was it like for you guys? Yeah, I really... One of the best looking pools I've seen, I think, just mm. just to be out there. Um, a lot of blue, blue, but um, the stands are pretty high, which surprised me. Um, and when they were filled, they were pretty loud. That's another thing that shocked me. How loud the swimmers or the crowd, the swimmers in the crowd were. Um, but swimming in that pool, I find a pool is just a pool. Water is water. It's the same same situation for me. So I, I know. When I'm there, I have a job to do, but um, it still hasn't really sunk in that I've swam in the Olympic pool, I guess. <laughs> well, it's, it's not a bad way to think about it, mate. So often those younger swimmers that are coming through get their first, you know, taste of racing at either the Adelaide Aquatic Centre or, at, you know, SOPAC or whether it's at Chandler and they're sort of overall, especially yeah, if yeah. they're at finals, you know, the lights are on and 
um, as coaches, you know, we always say to them just exactly what you just said. It's still just a pool. It's got water in it. You, you can just go do the exact same job you normally do. So absolutely, mate. That's not a bad way to think at all. Now I'll get to the races in a moment. Um, this was your first games though. And, and I, you know, I don't think yes. that can be lost on people. What were your nerves like before your first race? And did it help that your first race was a relay with the boys? Yes, I think it actually did help. Just um, sometimes I get nervous, sometimes I don't, sort of dependent on the race, the distance, the stroke, um, where I am. But I was a little bit nervous before this one. But I think having the boys walk out next to me, um, knowing they had my back, um, and I knew I was ready to race. So, I mean, before I dove in, I had a feeling I was going to go fast. And to come away with the time I did um, was pretty good. But... I think you just got to use those nerves to your advantage. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, bronze with the boys must have been pretty special to to kick it off that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, a highlight of my meet, I think. Um, walking out, having Cole Chalmers say, we need a 47, we need a 47. We got this. Um, give it a crack. Um knowing they had my back and knowing I still had a job to do. Um, the pressure was on, but everyone swam amazing. And for Cole to bring it home and come third, bring home the bronze is like special. Just to come away with any Olympic medal, um, like I was over the, over the moon at that point. Well, another thing, mate, that fascinates me in terms of relay success and, and when you guys do well, I think for the listeners out there, is there a lot different in terms of your race plan for a hundred freestyle for the relay in terms of then that against your hundred freestyle individually? And by that, I mean, you know, we talk so much about trust the process, go through your process, think about your race plan, follow it to a T it's easier said than done though. When you've got, as you said, Kyle saying, come on boys, we've got this and it can be, I'm assuming quite, I've haven't been in that position, but I'm assuming it'd be quite easy to be snapped out of your race plan pretty quickly and then just get all G'd up and, and in the moment and kind of forget about it. How easy slash hard was it? Um, well, for me, I was first, so I was off the blocks um, as, as a normal race. So I pretty much stuck to my normal race plan. Uh, Peter Bishop, who was in charge of our relay, also Kyle's coach, told me to swim down the left of my lane to catch the wash of the people on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably also helped me. But I think because I was off the blocks, um, I had a pretty normal 100 freestyle race for myself. But um, with that flying start um, in the medley relay, say, I had a flying start over a breaststroke into the fly. I think you just got to hold yourself back a bit. I know myself, I come up, um, you've dove in and you're feeling fast because you've just had a flying start. And you, you just want to go. You want to yeah. go. But you got to hold yourself back a bit just so you're not um, spinning the wheels and burning the energy all at the start, which could cost you in the back end. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so it's a advice. little bit different, but you got to know. You got to know the difference. Yeah, well, and I guess it's all in that that experience for you, isn't it? And, and you, you know, you've been through a few of those uh, situations yourself now, so um, you know, no doubt that experience exactly, will come yeah, through. all learning, individual um, swimming, and the, and the heats being in the night, finals being during the day. What what was that like for you? 
Uh, it was a bit interesting for me. I, I really prefer the finals being at night. Just, I think, the atmosphere, um, going to the pool in the afternoon, knowing you've got a final, I think you get yourself up a bit more. This is my personal opinion. I'm just, I just feel like I'm more ready in the afternoons rather than the mornings. Mm. So I wasn't, I wasn't sure on how I'd go, but we'd have a, we had a, we had had a few practice runs um, through swimming Australia meets in the lead up to the trials. So I knew I was racing fast with the program switched around, but it was interesting going waking up knowing you had a final. Um, you just had to get your mindset right. Um, and I know before that freestyle relay, um, the boys and I decided we'd go for a walk just around the village just to wake up, mm-hmm. get in the mood, um, get a bit of movement into us just so we were ready to go before that relay final. Yeah, it's been interesting because I've asked that question to a few people now and those answers are varied. You know, some people, you know, enjoyed it because they actually, you know, as you said, they, yeah. they like swimming their finals at night. So when they swam their heats, they actually swam pretty well. Um, they got up for it and depending on, you know, for everyone, it, it just um, was different, I guess. Individually, as I said, you swam the two and the 100 fly. You finished fifth in the 100 fly in one of the fastest 100 yeah. fly races I, I think I've ever seen. What was that experience like for you and and what lessons did you learn from that? I think especially you guys being debutants, so much of what you guys were going through are going to be lessons sort of to take away and look at 2024, I'm assuming. Yeah, so that race was a highlight. Um, as you know, Caleb Dresser was in that race, broke the record. Um, but I pretty much just treated it just like another race. Um, I just went out there knowing I had to execute my own race plan, how I had planned and how I'd swum the past couple of years, knowing knowing that it had, that it had worked. Um, so going out there... Um, I swam really fast at trials... So I put a bit of doubt in my mind that I wouldn't get close to that time at trials again. But swimming 50.1, I think, in the semis to make the finals, um, I was pretty happy with that. So all my goal, all I had in my mind was to swim faster again in the finals because, um, again, swimming that morning to night, the finals are in the morning. Mm. And so I pretty much just went out there, swam, swam my race plan the best I best I could have and coming fifth I was a little bit disappointed I think I had a bit of expectation on myself um going in ranked third and having that third spot open to like a few swimmers um I was really set on that third but to come fifth um like I've just come fifth at the Olympics what can you do like it's an amazing result so I can't complain with that and it was my second fastest time ever so yeah I'm really happy now that I look back. Well, mate, like so many people, there's no doubt, you know, you, you've probably looked back. I know Duncan Scott, I was talking to him the other day and he has looked back at his 200 freestyle, yeah, for example, yeah. where he got silver and he's already picked out, he, he'd already picked out, you know, two or three spots where he's like, I can get better at that. And I could have been better at that. Ha- have you done that yourself? Have yeah. you had time to look back and go, whilst yes, I, I'm proud of what I achieved. I'm not for, for a second downplaying it, but there's still certain areas that I know I can I can improve there. Yeah, so definitely proud of what I achieved. Um, 
I mean, I haven't really been home to talk with a coach or nothing like that um, properly about my results. But I'm um, looking back, just it could have been fatigue. It could have been I went out too hard or or what. But um, I know on that last lap, 20 strokes. Normally, I nail it on the 19th stroke. So I think just maybe spinning spinning my arms a bit too much out of that turn um, cost me towards the back end. But um, yeah, as I said before, everything's learning. You take it on board and now I know what I have to do for the next race. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned there 19 strokes on the way back. I'm always interested in, in race plans, especially because, as I said, so many of the listeners to this podcast are swimmers themselves yeah. and they've got race plans that they follow. What's your ideal 100-metre fly race plan? Yeah, so I've done a lot of 100 flies over the past couple of years, so it's pretty, pretty nailed down. So dive in, eight kicks, 17 strokes. That lands me straight onto the wall. Um, fast turn, 10 kicks off the wall, 19 strokes back. That's it's norm- normally how it goes, and normally I nail both walls. Um, but sometimes the finish, a bit long or a bit short, depending how I'm feeling. Mm. Well, I definitely think, as I said, you know, the experience of what you went through there in the finals and you know, take nothing away from being fifth. And as I said, one of the fastest races in fly history. I mean, it was a world record, so it definitely was the fastest. Um, There's definitely going to be, you know, experience there that you can take out of it. And from what I saw, mate, in trials, I was very, very excited in terms of your future. And I didn't even personally think it was, you know, maybe coming at the Olympic Games because you're still a young fella. You're still a young whippersnapper and you've got many, many, many years to come. So destined for for big things, I think. Oh, mate, I, I mean, I've got a good eye for this sort of stuff. Don't you worry. I've got a good eye for this sort of stuff. Very rarely yeah, okay. do I get it wrong. Right. <laughs> trust the process. Right. Just trust the process. <laughs> Absolutely. Mate, let's get to the yeah. four by one, the mixed medley. Firstly, before we get to the the, you know, the swim yeah. itself, what did you think of the the concept? It was pretty, I guess, I don't want to say controversial because I didn't think it was controversial. I was, I was really excited and looking forward to it. But I do know I spoke to Michael Klim. I spoke to a few other people who probably weren't as excited for it being added to the program. How did, how did you see it? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I was lucky enough to swim in a heat of the 4 by one mixed medley in the 2019 World Championships. So yeah. I sort of had a feeling of what it was going to be like. And to watch the final of that, um, it was all over the place, just like the Olympics. Um, I found it exciting. Like we had Kaylee leading off. I think she was the only girl in the field against the rest of the boys. So mm. it was just interesting concepts. Um, it's it's crazy. It's a weird one. It's all it's pretty much a lot of strategy. But to like for me to dive in against the girls and then pass the girls get us in the lead and then Emma against the boys. I mean, it's a crazy race and I think it's one, it's one where you need to watch your race plan as well because me, I remember diving in, I think we're next to the Netherlands. Um, Me passing a girl makes me feel like I'm going faster than I am going. Mm. So it's just something you have to watch while swimming it. But I think overall, we came over the bronze. So that's, that's awesome. And for the rest of the swimmers in the relay, it's unreal. But I think it's it's one you definitely have to keep your composure. 
Hey, it's a good point about, you know, feeling like you're probably going faster than you are and, yeah, just being aware of that. Um, it, a lot of people I've spoken to that were a part of that relay, I think now the only one I haven't spoken to is is Emma that was a part of that relay, but a lot of people didn't know they were even going to be in that relay. Were, were you aware that, that you were you were going to be in that final? No, I don't think so. I think a swim same article had that team – um, quickest on paper before the Olympics. Yeah. So, and someone had told me that, so I was always aware. But um, I think I only got told at that the start of the session. Yeah, that's right. So I had the hundred fly final, and then I had to back up in the relay final that morning. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're not alone there. Kaylee told me the same thing. Zach told me the same thing. So, um, as I said, kudos to you guys with such a, a brilliant performance on, you know, pretty little short notice of, oh, hey, guys, by the way, yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I want you to, to jump up and, and jump in here as well. Um, so many statisticians came out of the woodwork in this event, mate, because obviously, as you said, it's very strategic in terms of who's going to have the biggest. Did you just leave that to the coaches or did you? behind the scenes, start doing a, a bit of maths yourself and work out who who you thought would, uh, what order would be best. Yeah, well, I really had no idea. I mean, I, I had bigger things to worry about <laughs> myself than to try and put a relay team together. But, um, yeah, I'd seen the Simpson article um, with myself in the relay. So, I mean, it was always in the back of my head, but um, who knew? I think yeah. most of us who swam that relay also had an event on during that session. So I think to put us in um, and for us to swim how we swam, come home with the bronze, I think I think they made a good team out of that. So, yeah, yeah. really happy. Can't fault the results. Well, absolutely not. And I guess, you know, given that backstory for all the, the people listening to this, already an incredible result getting bronze medal uh, and Olympic Games. But hearing that, you know, you were just called up, <laughs> called up to put in the effort not long before it was actually time to walk out there, I think shows um, the incredible flexibility of you guys. And, you know, really shows what you've already spoken about in this podcast, mate, which is just your ability to to sort of crack on with the job and not overthink it too much and just say, right, this is where we're going. All right, I'm just going to give it my best shot. Yeah, that's normally my mindset anyway, is just give it a crack. Um, I'm pretty determined and, I mean, I want the best result for myself and the team. So I'm always going in there giving it 100%. It's a great way to be now. Obviously, you know, the games are over now. What were some of your highlights for you in or out of the pool? It could have even just been an interaction with somebody in, in the village or whatever. But do you have a few things that stand out to you that when you get home with your mates and, and have a couple of beers, you'll definitely be talking to people about? So I got two two swims. One was the four by one freestyle relay males, which mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to be a part of, and Zach Stoudy Cook's 200 breaststroke. Yeah, I got to watch that one, and for him to come over the top of the two swimmers either side of him and take the gold, um, yeah, it was, I just had that warm, fuzzy feeling inside that he just won and yeah, like, just won gold at the Olympics. There's nothing better than that. Nah, well, and, and you know, looking at the race plan and talking about sticking to a, a process and a plan, I mean, here's yeah, a guy definitely. who's – Who's, who's so comfortable and confident in his race plan. He's letting these guys like Kaminga just fly off the blocks and away they go. 
and uh, and he's just sitting there waiting and waiting, knowing that he's he's going to hit the pedal at some point. But um, it's easier said than done, isn't it? I did ask him that myself, like because as a fan watching, like I was getting anxiety. Like, come on, Zach, I know you you're going to have a strong back end, mate, but yeah, you're leaving it a yeah, bit too. Shit. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. hey, gotta have faith. Um, and and not that uh, you know, there's good guys or bad guys, but what a great um, guy Zach is, and and it's always good to see oh, yeah. you know good yeah, people yeah. and good things come to them, isn't it? Yeah, and it's so good that it has come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mate, what about outside of the pool? Are there any highlights? Outside? Did you get to – I know you said you watched the soccer. Watched the soccer. Um, another highlight, um, I've been big into my BMX growing up. Um, I've done a bit of research on some, some of the freestyle BMXs selected for Australia, and I couldn't find any. Like, So I thought Australia mustn't – I sent any over. Like I found yeah. the skateboarders and whatnot. And then to hear um, Logan Martin's name come over, um, a bit of a shock to me. Uh, I sort of looked at looked up to him growing up. So I had a chat to him. And then to see him win gold a couple of days later um, in the first ever freestyle BMX at the Olympics, I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, Logan from Logan, isn't it? Yes, yeah, it is. He is. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't write that. What's your name? Logan. Where are you from? Logan. People just say bullshit, mate. Come on, stop <laughs> Logan, having a laugh. Yeah, <laughs> and at least with with uh with Logan as well, he didn't have that thick American accent like the young skateboarder did. Did you see him when he, he won uh his medal yeah, for Australia, uh, which was brilliant? Keegan, I'm not downplaying Keegan, him, but uh, you know, get the interview and he, he had the very thick uh American accent, which sounds odd, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well Logan actually has his own huge setup in his own backyard so i think uh, i think he spends most of the time in in australia so it probably helps i guess yeah no absolutely and yeah i think he was even saying on um, on channel seven that his neighbors had the shits with him because he'd brought in so much stuff and he had all this stuff going on in his backyard but uh hey it paid off there's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with gold is there exactly yeah hey, Killed it, he blew him away. No, absolutely. He did so well, he yeah. didn't even really need yeah. to have a he didn't even really need to have a crack in his second run, did he? I think he pulled up stumps halfway through. Yeah, could have. Could have, and then he went went again just for a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mate, talk to me about your coach, Wayne. Um, you know, how important has he been to your success in recent years? Who's that? Sorry, your coach. Sorry, mate. This internet, this internet here in my—it's uh, not yeah, you, by the way. This is my internet. Uh, is very much like my uh, mental space at the moment, and it's unstable. So uh, I apologise about my internet. <laughs> Talk to me about your coach, mate. How important's he been? Yeah. So Wayne Laws, um, he took over Scott Talbot's job. Um, sort of. He got thrown in the deep end pretty much. Um, so Scott Talbot left with a year to go until the games. Um, and we couldn't find a coach who was willing to take us or was willing to leave their own program to take us. So Wayne being our assistant, um, he stepped into the high performance coaching role for a year. Um, he, had, he had help. Um, a little bit of help with the admin work, but I think during COVID, um, 
schedules changing, pools closing. Um, I think he just copped the brunt of it. So for him to take the role on board, um, I can't thank him enough. Like he's pushed us on the last year to achieve our goals, get us to the games. Um, and overall, the whole high performance squad at Nanawadi has unreal trials. So I think he should also walk away from this um, feeling something special. Like he's taken on this role for a year, gone to the Olympics, and now he's semi-retiring. So he's at home having a beer now. Oh, good on him. Talk to me about your co- uh, your club, Nutterwadding. Obviously, uh, in terms of swimming yep. here in Australia, has been right up there for many, many years. What do you guys do so well, do you think, in terms of that team and club culture? Because no doubt there's a really strong one there. You don't continue to get the success that you guys do without a really good team culture and, and obviously driven through coaches and swimmers yeah. as well. What do you do so well, do you think? Um, well, I know definitely our high-performance squad, um, just our bond together is probably some, something we have where – Others may not. Um, we just gel. Um, we all have we all have the same mindset. We're all there to train, and we know when when and when not to muck around. So I think that's pretty good. But having um, training partners like Bowen Goff, Silas Harris, Silas Harris, and Ali Rogerson uh, for myself is just we all get around each other. We all push each other on. So I mean, what more could you ask from them? Yeah, well, as I said, I'm I'm not in the inner sanctum as you are, mate. From the outside looking in, though, with the success that's been had over over many many years now, it's not just recent success. It's it's been over many many years. Yeah. There's definitely things that are being done really well in there, and I think from any coach from the outside looking in, um, that's definitely a club uh, and a system that we should be looking at and seeing what you guys do so well to learn from to to grow our own outside of that. Mate, just getting back on to you, what are your plans after the ISL dies down and you get back to back to uh, Melbourne? Um, well, it sort of depends on how the New York breakers go. I mean, we're not looking too flash at the moment, but it sort of depends on that um, fifth playoff match. They take the top two from that match. So I think we have a chance of being in that top two. Yep. And that'll put us into the semis, which are six weeks after we finish. So if we make the semis, um, I think it'd be pretty detrimental if I went home to quarantine. Mm-hmm. So I think myself and Brendan have planned to um, stay stay overseas and train. Very and nice. Not, um, it looks like home it is. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's not a bad place to stay, is it? Are you, is, are you a single lad? No, I currently have a girlfriend, Kelsey. Oh. She's back at home. Well, I was going to, how's that? That's, my next question was going to be, how much are you missing home right now? Because, and then obviously your partner and, and your family now, because it's not just obviously the ISL. You've been away for the Olympics. You're away in, in camp before that. It's been quite a period of time, yep. isn't it? Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long time now. Um, I think myself, I just try not to think about home. I think... Like you ring your parents, I ring Kelsey, um, and then you hang up the phone and you have a bit of things like, oh, I really miss them all. But mm. um, I think just you have that strong mindset, um, not think about home. And I mean, while I'm over here, I know how I have a job to do while swimming. 
So sort of that's what my mind's set on at the moment, knowing knowing I have a competition in eight days um, and I want to swim really well. So I think I'm striving towards that. Mate, take family, uh, the misses, take all that away from it. What are you missing most about home? Is yep. it your bed? Is it? I told you the other day on the OTB crew one, I think it's underrated our own toilets. I remember getting back from 12 weeks in Europe for my honeymoon yeah, and I loved, yeah, yeah. I loved getting back to my yeah. own toilet. As weird as that sounds, what are you missing most? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I actually think um, I'm actually missing watching the footy the most. <laughs> Who do you go for? Because I'm an NRL guy, as you can see. This is a Newcastle night, so I'm not big on the um, AFL. But yeah. okay. who do you go uh, for? So sorry, Richmond Tigers, man. Oh, okay. Richmond Tigers. Uh, yeah, we haven't had the best year, but fingers crossed next year. Really? So the other day, actually, the other day, um, I can't remember who was playing, but the, the finals are currently on at the moment. Um, so I had Kels on Zoom. So she could screen share her KO so I could watch it. But it was really, it was really jumpy. And um, like I watched the quarter and my eyes were hurting. So I gave that a miss. Um, Bowen Goff sent me a link for a live stream. He got off Reddit. But I think um, just the internet's really crappy here. So that couldn't work. Uh, me and Brenda have tried KO on a VPN, Foxtel on a VPN. Um, can't get them going, and so I think I've just given up. It's just, it is what it is. No footy. <laughs> well, I guess the saving grace, I mean, it's not nice to say it, but you said your team's not going that great, so it's it's not as if sometimes, and like take it from yeah, me, I go yeah. for Newcastle nights. So, mate, there's times I'm actually thankful I don't actually watch games because we play horrendous at times, and uh, it's probably better for my, my heart rate uh, if I'm not watching them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, mate, stacked year next year, 2022. Um, you know, we've got World Champs, you've got Com Games. Although, you know, there's going to be a bit of a, a you know, a, I guess I'm assuming you're going to have a week or two just to kind of enjoy yourself when you get back here with your family and friends. There's still a, a big year next year. Yeah. Are you keen to try and keep that momentum rolling and, and with the success that you've had this year from trials to the games? There's no doubt, you know, as I said, you're, you're a young man on the rise. Next year is going to be a big one. Yeah, well, definitely. Um, racing's probably one of the one of the most favourite things I love about swimming. So for the opportunity to race and then especially in the green and gold, um, like, I love it. So I think, I mean, I haven't really had time to sit down and plan with my coach of what events I'm targeting um, just because Worlds and Com Games are so close together, whether it be one of them or both of them. But, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to how packed the next year is. Mate, just a quick one before I wrap it up here. Um, what do you do outside of the pool? Yep. Um, do you study? Do you work? What, what do you do outside of swimming? Uh, so outside of swimming, I have been labouring in a scaffold yard since I finished school. So I worked for Link Scaffolding and they've helped me out a lot. I, um, for the past, I think I've nearly been there for four years. Um, the past eight months, I've worked very minimal days just to concentrate on my swimming and due to COVID as well. 
But um, I used to go from swimming to work, back to swimming, um, five days a week. Um, I just can't sit still. So I have to be doing something. And, yeah, doing something with my hands is just what I like. Well, I'm not going to take that grab out for sure. Um, I'll make sure I keep that clean, but I could um, cut that little piece out and make a good little um, clip on Instagram, mate. Matt Temple says if he can be doing okay, something yeah. with his hands, uh, that's what he likes. So, you yeah, know, I'll keep that clean. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Although in saying that, I mean, it's good clickbait and uh, that's a good show on Netflix at the moment, clickbait. So, I don't know, we could chuck it out there. Uh, <laughs> mate, thank you very much for coming yeah, on for a not? chat. Yeah, why not? Why not? Um, thank you very much for coming on for a chat. As I said, we, we had a bit of fun in the OTB crew uh, podcast not that long ago and um, I've been trying to get you on here for a, a chat and we've managed to make it happen so oh, wow, thank you very yeah. much yeah no thank you and yeah. I hope you're enjoying yourself over there we're, we're watching on KO uh, the ISL's on KO so I'm getting around that and hopefully oh, yeah, that yeah. yeah hopefully the New York breakers made as you said with those recruits coming over and, and getting amongst it hopefully uh, we can see some some good results and you guys try and put yourselves in there to, to make the semi-finals and Mate, even outside of that, thank you very much for what you and the team have done in Swimming Australia. Um, you know, you guys have, and I said this, I think, on the OTB crew, but definitely inspired um, the public, but a, a younger generation coming through for many, many years to come. I think we're going to see the success of that definitely in 2032 as well. Um, so thank you very much, mate. You've entertained me. You're a superstar and uh, you headed here first. Well, you already know you're a superstar. You're just being modest about it. But I know where you're headed, mate, and uh, I can't wait to, to see it all uh, unfold. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Thanks for, thanks for the chat. Thanks for the chat a couple of weeks ago. And thanks for all your support. Mate, it is only a pleasure. Um, enjoy yourself over there. Make sure you keep the mullet going strong and uh, try and get as I much will. of a tan as you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A few, few have. I think Brendo's <laughs> actually gone down the beach for a tan. Is he? How many people are getting tanned yeah. and how many people are burning? Because, you know, some of those English uh, swimmers, no offence to them, but uh, you know, they find it hard to tan. They actually burn pretty quick, so... How many people are getting tans and how many people are getting sunburned? Yeah, I really haven't seen that much um, sunburn on, on any of our swimmers. Um, a few of the Brits a few of the Brits have been down the beach the last few days, but they've lathered up the sunscreen. Okay. But one of them, Jacob Whittle, can't believe yeah. how dark he's gotten. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I told crazy. you before I'm getting jealous and it's only making me worse, so I'm going to have to let you go. But thank you very much for coming on. <laughs> Off the Block Swimming Podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Cheers, buddy. Today's episode of Off the Block Swimming Podcast is proudly brought to you by our good friends at Pro Swim Workouts. Thank you all once again for downloading the show today. Your continued support is always appreciated. And don't forget to check out our other weekly podcast, the OTB Crew Podcast, where I'm joined each week by Lani Pallister, Lachlan Carter, and Josh Edward-Smith. We talk a whole lot of swimming. The crew give their own unique insider perspective on what's going on in the world of swimming, as well as special guest Olympians joining the show for some fun. We also talk music, movies, other sports, and generally just have a good laugh. If you're looking for a fresh swimming podcast with a bit of mainstream twist to it, this is definitely the one for you. 
Join us every Thursday on Spotify and Apple Podcast for all the fun. I just want to be with you.